This is Motherboard. I'm Catherine Rotundo, and today's guest is Elise Wei. Elise is an engineering director at Monotate. With a degree in fine arts, Elise first came to tech as a project manager, then transitioned to development, eventually becoming the first female engineer at Monotate. She was promoted to director while on maternity leave. Before that, she made sure to push her work branches to GitHub before leaving for the hospital to deliver the baby. Elise is based in Philadelphia and has an 18-month-old daughter. Hi, Elise. Hi, Catherine. How are you? I'm doing all right today. Yeah, it's, um, it's the beginning of 2015 when we're talking. Do you have any resolutions <laughs> for the new year? You know, I, um, I'm not that great at resolutions. And so I kind of like to just come into every year fresh with a positive outlook and um, hopefully some, some kind of more like life goals, really. Oh, that's a cool way to think about it. Um, yeah, I don't have any <laughs> resolutions either. So, uh, but I do like sort of saying goodbye to the old year. That feels really good to me. Uh, yeah, I'm ready to say goodbye to this past year. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll be talking about that. Um, so you're an engineering director at Monetate. What does right. that mean? Well, um, it's, it was actually a, a relatively new position. Uh, when I joined Monetate, we were about 90 people and very, very flat in structure. And so a few months after I started, uh, my boss actually changed. Uh, somebody who kind of had been at my level was promoted to be, um, you know, kind of an in-between level. And uh, it was that way for a while until right about, you know, while I was on maternity leave, they realized that we'd gotten big enough to actually need another level of management in between. It was, it became too many uh, engineers for my boss to be able to manage on his own. Hmm. So basically what that means is that I'm responsible for the career and development and growth and um, to some extent work product for about five to seven engineers at any given time. And I fortunately get to spend maybe 30 to 40% of my time still coding. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to miss it too much. Um, no. And are you coding on the same product as the engineers that you manage then? Kind of. Um, often. often. We, uh, we, have, we have kind of core product offerings and then we have client-specific work. And I guess kind of in general, the engineers that report to me tend to work more on the client-specific work and I tend to work more on the core product, but it's not hard and fast. Okay. Okay. So I think that's a great uh, description of what you do now. It's cool that you do some people stuff and some coding. You had kind of a circuitous route into tech, and I'm really <laughs> curious to talk about that. I was a French major, so I feel, uh, yeah, some, you know, I, I also came to it later, and right. I'm very interested to talk to you about uh, how you got from fine arts to engineering. Well, I, I love to tell this story, so that works out. Um, <laughs> my undergraduate degree is in photography, and I kind of thought when I graduated high school that I really wanted to be a professional photographer. And not necessarily a fine art photographer per se, but, you know, definitely making visual 
visual art. And um, I kind of realized partway through college that 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 I, you know, I had made a mistake, but I finished it out and um, figured I would just, you know, go from there and decide what I wanted to really do with my life. So um, my first real job out of college, I was an admin and then I started actually writing property insurance, but um, I knew that I wanted to be doing something a little bit more creative. So I applied at a digital marketing agency here in Philadelphia and I thought I was going to come in as an admin, but it turned out that they wanted me as a digital project manager. So I was able to spend all my time there really working with digital professionals, uh, web developers, people who kind of knew the business front to back. And I had been building websites on my own really just for fun. Um, you know, for some clubs in college, I had a blog of my own. I was building like a wedding website, that kind of thing. And so I actually had a little bit of a portfolio to show when I realized, Hey, I like project management, but I'd really prefer to be more hands-on. And so I went to my tech folks and I said, Hey, you guys are short staffed, you know, you're, you're hiring. Um, can you take a look at my work and see if maybe I could, I could make the jump. And so I was really lucky because, you know, they were friends and they knew my work ethic and they, um, they took a chance on me. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, I, that's a really brave thing to do. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh... <laughs> oh, I don't know. See, I, I teach now. So I work with a lot of folks who are really, um, kind of making a much bigger, make bigger leap of faith than that. You know, they quit their jobs, they go back to school, they, you know, uh, do full time, like a dev boot camp or something like that. And so to me, my story feels a little bit safe, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> were you, um, completely self-taught then, or did you also go to school? No, I, I don't actually have any formal training at all in uh, web development or, or computer science or anything like that. I think at some point I might go back and get that because um, certainly I work with plenty of people who, who do have that background. And I'm often, you know, not the technically strongest person in the room. And I'm pretty comfortable with that, but I certainly would like to be better. You know, I mean, I want to be surrounded by people that know more than I do and, and from whom I can learn. But, um, but yeah, it, it would be neat to go back and get some of that, um, that kind of foundation. You know, I, I just, I find it so fascinating. Um, I, I'm not sure that you need it, honestly, you can probably pick up, uh, you know, new oh. things on your own with the, the foundation that you have. Um, <laughs> although school's fun. <laughs> I like school. Um, but you know, there's a lot of talk about imposter syndrome, especially for women in tech and, um, and, and how women will not necessarily apply to jobs if they don't feel that they have, that they meet all of the requirements listed in the job description. And, um, so I'm really impressed with how you, you know, not having the formal degree, just put yourself out there and, uh, and said, I can do this. I, um, that, I mean that that's a, that's a that's a great topic and one that's really of a lot of interest to me because like I said I, I teach people who are very very new to tech and I I see that a lot and I hear a lot about it and um, to be honest personally it's it's something that I can find a little confounding hmm. um, <laughs> I I sometimes tell a story about um, my that first job that I mentioned that I had right out of college as an admin at an insurance company. Uh, one of something that my, my boss there said to me once that I really have just kind of held with me and as a point of pride for many years now is he said, 
I forget what it was he asked me to do, but I, I just said, well, I don't know how to do that, but I think we can probably figure it out. And he said, wow, you are just fearless. Hmm. <laughs> and, um, and that, that just kind of, I mean, I don't know if it's my, just the way I was born or whether it was something that my parents did right. <laughs> but, um, but I just, you know, I, I, I don't really let people tell me what I can't do. And, um, I'm just happy to try anything and, and not that I'll always succeed, but you know, I, you won't know until you try. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're making me think back to some advice that I got from a boss, um, a boss that I didn't actually like that much, but this one, <laughs> one gem <laughs> stuck with me, um, which is that, uh, he said to me, you know, about some problem I was trying to solve, like, it's all just zeros and ones. Like mm -hmm. the answer is there. Y you just have to find the right way <laughs> to combine the zeros and ones. And it just made it, you know, uh, it seemed like seems so logical. <laughs> it's nothing to worry about. We just have to keep looking until we find the right, you know, like yeah. monkeys typing to get it Shakespeare. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I think it's a really great point to say that, that any problem can pretty much be broken down to its fundamental components. And once you break it down into small enough pieces that you are comfortable solving them, uh, you, you realize that, that, you can get there. You know, there's definitely a path from point A to point B. And that is, is kind of one of the ways that I, I tend to consider myself really an engineer mm -hmm. because I may not always get there the best way, but I will certainly <laughs> get there. <laughs> Speaking about like getting there, <laughs> getting, getting from fine art, uh, to, to tech. So you started, um, you offered to the, your teammates that you could maybe help them. Right. Did that um, lead to an official job title change, or was yes, it, yeah, yeah. I, I officially transitioned over from being a project manager to being a web developer. So I, at that point, was kind of starting back again at the beginning, but I was only a couple years into my career anyway, so it didn't really set me back too much. Okay, and is that the job that you were in um, when you got pregnant? Uh, no, I was. Um, I had I had moved from that original company where they um, they they gave me that really great start. I had uh, moved from there to Monetate. Okay, when you went to Monetate, was that also a web development position that you started in? Not as much, actually. That's one of the reasons that I decided to come to Monetate is because the work was actually different. Um, rather than being kind of front-end HTML, CSS, building websites from designs, that sort of thing, this was really much more of a programming role. Um, what we do at my company, the, the folks on my team anyway, is we pretty much write raw JavaScript all day, mm -hmm. every day. And we have to understand HTML and CSS, and we have to write a little bit of that, but it's pretty much JavaScript programming. So um, nobody really does what we do here, and that was part of why it was an appealing next step. I, w I wanted to kind of focus on a different area of technology that wasn't totally foreign to me. Oh, that's interesting. Um, ha having been an action script developer, I feel like I can relate to what you must be doing. Um, so I, I haven't written a lick of JavaScript in oh, over 10 years. So it's a very different language now than it was yeah. when I looked at it. Um, but, you know, just for the record, for any listeners who do know JavaScript, do you have a favorite library or tool that you're using right now? 
Well, like I said, we actually write raw JavaScript here. So we, we, we're all vanilla. Um, I mean, we do have our own library that we've kind of home cooked. Um, I, I'm not a big library or framework person. I, I definitely, you know, I realize that I need to go learn some frameworks. Um, we, on some of the other teams here, we have um, Angular users. So that okay. is, is probably where I'll, where I'll start. I, I feel like every conference I go to, you know, there is the session about Angular and the session about Ember and the session about Backbone. And I don't even know where I would start. Um, but maybe raw is the place to start. <laughs> well, the raw JavaScript probably won't be too different than it was uh, 10 years ago. <laughs> oh, that's true. True. Okay. All right. So there, there's still hope for me. <laughs> and uh, it, it was never that different from ActionScript anyway. Yeah. It's all just syntax. Cool. Yeah, in ActionScript, I actually haven't written in the past four years anyway. But uh, yeah, let's not talk about what a dinosaur <laughs> I am. <laughs> let's talk about you. Um, all right, so you started in this position, uh, this JavaScript writing position mm -hmm. at Monetate. And is that where you were when you got pregnant? Yes. So I've, I've been here for just about exactly three years now. And um, I guess, you know, we just, we decided it was the right time, my husband and I, and um, then we had a baby. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's fantastic. Um, Why, thank you. You, uh, you shared with me uh, before the podcast that you became um, the first female engineer at Monetate. So I'm curious, like, how was that being pregnant on an all-male team? Well, actually, I was the first female engineer at Monetate, but not for very long. So um, just a few months after I started, we hired our second female engineer, who is pregnant right now, actually, due any minute. Oh. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, not long after that, we hired a third. And then, you know, we actually are a relatively um, female-heavy tech team, as far as I'm aware, as far as the numbers go. Um, we, we participate in the, um, the women in tech kind of self-reported statistics that started out of the Grace Hopper convention a couple years ago. Yeah. So there's a, there's that, there's a Google doc and, and some, some data on that that's out there. Um, I would have to look it up, but I can probably find the link for you. Oh yeah. Um, please do. I'll yeah put a note <laughs> to myself here to look it up too. Uh, all right. So these other ladies started, so you weren't, mm -hmm. uh, you weren't the only woman on the team. Um, no. where, uh, had, any of the others had children before? Um, not on our team. I actually was the second, only the second person at Monetate, at all of Monetate, to go out on maternity leave. And I was only in second by about three or four months. <laughs> so, so basically, another woman and I were, were the first people here at Monetate to require a maternity leave policy at all. And um, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Did you have any input into it? Um, I don't know if I would say input. I, I guess we were involved. We were we were looped into the process. Um, mm -hmm. It it wasn't so much helping to write the policies themselves. Yeah, I guess that makes sense that they would look at what other companies are doing and sort of yeah, mm -hmm. they wouldn't need to add that uh, second shift work <laughs> to your own work. Cool. So, uh, what did the benefits end up being? What, you know, how much time were you able to take? 
Well, it was a, a mix of short-term disability and then official, you know, maternity leave from the company, and then also in combination with the fact that at, at Monazi we actually don't have a strict vacation policy. It's mm -hmm. kind of just take what you need when you need it, and we also have very flexible work-from-home policies. So um, in the end, I was out of the office for about three months, I want to say 12 weeks. Okay. And um, then when I came back about three days a week, and then the other two, I was kind of working from home, but mostly taking care of the baby. And, um, and then actually for all of 2014, I was still working from home one day a week. So I've just changed back to a full five days in the office. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Most of the people that I talk to, you know, really have pretty much a, a three or four month leave policy. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think that that support actually after that leave ends is really important or can be really important. You know, some people are totally ready to be back at work early, full time and um, like, you know, back yeah, that was at, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but also some people need a little bit more of a transition. And, and to me, it's really heartening to hear about companies who you know, where it's possible to make other accommodations after yeah. the official leave ends if you need to. Yeah, my, my boss has been just endlessly supportive of, of all that stuff. He's a, he's a family man himself. And I, I don't know, I, I don't know where his wife was working at the time, but she had some crazy, basically Canadian or European stop maternity leave. So she got to take off for forever and ever and ever when she had, had their kids. Yeah. But, um, but so, you know, he, he was very, he, he, that was kind of the context that um, that I was that I was treated with. Cool. So, were you well during your pregnancy? I was very well. I was. I, I felt like I was getting away with something. <laughs> We, um, you know, we, we took a vacation. We hiked, I don't know, like eight or nine miles a day, a day ish, something like that. When wow. we were out in uh, San Francisco, um, not for like a long time, but you know, for a couple, a couple of days, there was a lot of walking and, um, yeah. And everything just kind of went off pretty much without a hitch. I, um, didn't, it wasn't, you know, particularly, subject to morning sickness or, you know, I mean, I'm sure I complained, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there wasn't much worth complaining about. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad for you about that. Um, it's not did, did you have an easy time? So easy. Um, you know, I, oh, it's nice of you to ask. <laughs> um, I couldn't eat anything for my first oh. trimester. I, I never threw up once, mm -hmm. but I just couldn't, I just had no appetite and I, I lived off of saltines and graham crackers for mm. the first many weeks. Um, and I was probably because of my poor nutrition, incredibly tired. Um, oh. yeah. So I found myself for the first time in my adult life taking naps in the middle of the day. And you know, I was the same way. I was never a napper until I was pregnant. And, you know, since while I was pregnant and of course, since having a baby, if I can steal a nap, I'm all about it. Yeah. 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 You learn to, uh, sleep when the baby sleeps as everyone tells you to do. Right? I'm, I'm terrible at that too. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, you were well during your pregnancy at the end. Did your baby decide to come on schedule? 
She was a few days early. Um, I was convinced that she was going to be terribly, terribly late just because I was born very late. But, Mm -hmm. um, but fortunately she did not make us wait. (laughs) So, um, and you know, it was, uh, that, that, that process was pretty easy too. Like I said, I, I, um, made sure to push up all my branches to GitHub so that my team wouldn't be left with anything uh, uh, outstanding while I was away. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I still look at, I look at that commit on GitHub and, and just laugh. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm sure, right, you can see with the little colored blocks, like, mm-hmm. oh, that's the day. <laughs> <laughs> look, I pushed, on a, I pushed them on a Sunday. What is that about? <laughs> right. Um, all right, so... How did you find being at home with an infant? Uh, <laughs> real, real talk. I thought it was the most boring thing. I mean, I, I love a baby, but I can only sit there and make faces at her for so long. Yeah. Um, so my husband and I, we're, we're not, um, we're not especially, we don't like to rely on people. We're not super close with our family. So we didn't actually have a lot of help. Um, and it was, it was all, you know, that was all on us. We certainly could have asked for help, but, um, but yeah, we, we tend to be kind of very private and insular. And, um, so it was kind of just me hanging out with the baby, you know, like five days a week while my husband was at work. He had actually also just started a couple months earlier at, um, an even smaller startup than Monetate. And he was the first person in his entire, you know, kind of capability division. He was the first account manager that they had and they were trying to build out that team. So he had tons of responsibility and a brand new baby. Um, it was, it was, those were, those were a rough several months. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. I, I have this suspicion that men are sent back to work after, uh, you know, after any parental leave that they get, if any, um, too soon. (laughs) <laughs> that they, they can't possibly be well-rested because, you know. Right. They, well, then they're trying to manage, you know, a full-time job and probably not sleeping at night. Right. Exactly. I and think, they're missing out on all that great bonding time and, you know. You know, I just read an article today that um, it was an article about how moms and dads brains change after having a baby. And, um, yeah, it was really interesting. It, it sounds like evolution has built a special pathway in mom's brains that it pretty much wakes up the, the moment that we have a baby, uh, for the oxytocin to be doing whatever it's doing, uh, you know, making us want to coo at it or whatever. (laughs) Um, but, um, dads don't have the same pathway but that pathway is like it's just a shortcut and other pathways exist and Mm -hmm. the way that those are strengthened and reinforced is by caring for the baby Mm -hmm. um so it's possible for dads to bond well with their babies i mean uh, yeah this is absolutely yeah right i mean it's it's something that um evolution has also made possible you know for for anyone, for any human to bond with any other human, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's just about the the time that goes into it, right? Right. And breaking breaking in those mental pathways. Yeah, and so so I think that time's really important, and science is backing me up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That article. Cool. So you were home, and um, when did you know that you would be coming back to a new position? 
Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of when I actually found out. It might have been maybe about a month into my leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing um, this. This actually coincided with a little bit of a department reorganization. So we had kind of changed the team structure a little bit, and that went along with um, some 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 new management schemes too. Okay, and. Was it something that made you eager to get back to the office, knowing that you would have that new challenge? I think so. Um, it was, I had actually been a tech lead for a little while before that. Um, I guess for most of 2013. So yeah, the new responsibilities were just mostly going to have to do with the, the management portion, you know, having people actually uh, report up to me and having the responsibility to develop those people and make sure that they were growing. And so that was definitely an exciting new challenge. I was glad to be recognized, um, not not just for, you know, success and being a good worker, but um I really enjoy leading. And so that was really nice to have recognized as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did you prepare in any way before you went back? I I imagine that would be hard given that you have the new baby tasks going on. Yeah, I, I didn't do anything special um, really to prepare. My my boss had given me and um, the one other person who was also promoted alongside me had had um, sent us both a book about being a manager that his boss had given him about being a manager, <laughs> and, and and so so it's just kind of a tradition now, I guess. Um, it's a pretty good book. It's called um, Managing Humans, I believe, and it's it's. Um, meant for people in technology, specifically engineers. Um, a lot of times it's a really interesting kind of phenomenon in software engineering or probably any kind of engineering where the people who are high performers tend to be promoted to management, which is a completely different job. And so just because you're a high performing engineer, doesn't mean that you're going to be good at management. It just might be the only path they have to reward you. Mm. And, um, and so some, sometimes people find that very dissatisfying. They're saying, okay, well, I've been recognized for being a good engineer by being given this completely other job, which I may or may not enjoy at all. And so it's, it's just um, a really interesting philosophy that here at Monetate we have, you know, we, we try to make sure that we can promote and reward people who don't want to be managers. That is fantastic. I definitely think that it's not a path that's suited for everyone. And it's good that it's not because the ratio of managers to engineers is never going to be such that everybody could go up that chain anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and some people wouldn't want to. Yeah, I do. I also do think that it's, um, well, we, we have kind of a, the cult in software engineering of the rock star or the ninja. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about that? Like what is wrong with that? I, I, it makes me want to throw up when I see a job description that's advertising for a, for a ninja, um, or gurus, rock stars, ninjas, and gurus. Well, to me, gurus tend to be softer skills, but yeah. To me, what all of this says is someone who thinks that they themselves are awesome <laughs> and someone who thinks that they themselves are awesome, um, I, I don't know, just that 
it's so it's so ego oriented. I feel like anyone who would self identify as a ninja is not someone <laughs> is not someone that I want to work with. It's probably just not. not. Probably not. See, to me, it's it, it's more of the um, the person writing the job description trying to make them and their company sound very cool and hip. You know, I mean, yeah. you could you could. And and to be honest, to, to look at it in perhaps a more generous light, it could be that they're trying to kind of get around like hard technical terms that might um, intimidate people who do feel like imposters. You know, like if I say I need an expert in this technology, mm-hmm. is that going to frighten people away? That's I mean, a good it's, question. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very different people than the people that respond well to being called a rock star. I mean, I, I, either way, you're probably... I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse, but, um, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of interesting drivers behind how those job descriptions are written. Yeah. Have you ever had to write a job description? Um, I don't think that I have. I've, um, I mean, I've consulted, um, when we post jobs, I'll, I'll sometimes take a look at job descriptions, especially Mm -hmm. for any like new roles. Um, I'm trying to think, not specifically. I think I've probably had to write my own job description, not here, but, but other places. Yeah, I, I haven't. Um, I I'm, haven't ever been in a manager role, and I've never had to, to draft up a job description. But maybe that's a good exercise. Maybe I'll, I'll do that for myself. Like, how would I advertise a software developer position? I need to think this through a little more. <laughs> I wouldn't say ninja. What would I say instead, though? Hmm. <laughs> Right. Cause I mean, depending on the terminology you use, it can sound like really stuffy and corporate, or it can sound like some guy working out of their garage or more threateningly their basement, you know, right. uh, <laughs> there are lots of ways you could go with it. Very true. All right. But, uh, you, you have a good team, uh, not, not a lot of threatening people there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how has it been managing people, developing that skill of managing people it's it's you know it's a really fascinating creature I um I find that a lot of the people that I manage are are super super easy and a lot of this has to do with kind of our hiring process which is really really intense and a lot of fun hopefully um but the the folks that we wind up with tend to be really independent and curious. They're going to be improving a lot on their own and taking a lot of initiative. And, um, and so, so most of them don't, don't really give me a whole lot to do, honestly. Um, (laughs) we, we have a good time. We, we, we catch up. I make sure I know what's going on in their worlds. And, um, periodically we set goals and talk about things that are going well and things that could potentially be going better. So it's, um, it's pretty straightforward. And I would say that, um, though probably the biggest managerial challenge I've had to deal with is, uh, well, I guess two things. One would be, you know, personal personality conflicts between members of a team, usually, you know, somebody on my team and, and then between them and folks that are not on my team. And then, um, money conversations can be very challenging. Oh, interesting. Huh? Okay. Well, this question goes in a, a kind of a different direction, but when you went back to work, where did your daughter go? We decided in the end to go with in-home care. So we have a nanny and um, she comes to our house and has been taking care of our daughter for um, since she was three months old. Cool. And how did you find her? Uh, we actually went through care.com. 
Okay. It was uh, it was a great resource, and um, we were able to you know uh, we interviewed several candidates over the phone, and then I guess maybe three candidates um, came to our house, and we met with in person. Cool. And what were your main criteria when you were looking for a nanny? Um, well, the very biggest one was just kind of that we needed someone we felt we could trust with the baby and would be kind of part of her care team, you know, like she's essentially my daughter's third parent. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it had to be somebody whose decision-making we felt like we could trust and, um, who would communicate with us well about things that, you know, she was concerned about or things that she needed. And that was probably the very biggest thing. Um, you know, obviously cost is a concern. Um, we, 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 ended up deciding, you know, obviously this is not the kind of solution that's going to be good for everyone, but considering our schedules and the fact that we, we only have one car between us, mm-hmm. uh, the convenience of having someone just come to our home was actually worth a significant expense. So um, just, you know, not having to deal with drop-offs and pickups and like the schedules at a daycare center, uh, it's, it's nice to have the, the flexibility. Yeah. So what do your schedules look like now? Oh, well, (laughs) um, typically my husband gets a baby up for breakfast and feeds her and then hands her off to me. I, I take care of her until the nanny arrives and she gets to our house at nine. Mm -hmm. So I can get into work, um, around nine 30 or 10. And then I stay later at the office and then uh, my husband feeds her dinner at home when he gets back. So usually I get home after dinner, but before bedtime. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, uh, does one of you commute by public transit or walking or? Yeah, we're actually, um, pretty close to some of the suburban transit lines out of Philadelphia. So my husband takes this, um, he takes a trolley and the subway to get to his office in center city. I don't know Philly at all, but I'm sure that will be meaningful to (laughs) the people who do. It sounds like you have, uh, you've set up a system that, that enables you both to, uh, to have the careers that you do. And I think that's super cool. Um, I'm wondering if, uh, there are any special sort of tactics that you've developed to, um, to deal with being very busy people who have a little baby. Well, one of the things that you mentioned earlier really struck me about kind of um, the the how your brain changes when you become a parent. And for me personally, one of the things that I feel has really, really changed significantly is that I don't sleep anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't sleep a lot. And, um, and the funny thing about that, I guess, is that it's not actually because of the baby. Um, she sleeps pretty well. But... Um, I'm a bit of an introvert, actually, and so I, I need some introvert time, and uh, I can really only get that after she goes to sleep. So I, I stay up, and I do some old work, and I surf the internet, and I do laundry, and, you know, just regular life things that I yeah. wouldn't be able to do on my own while she was awake. So um, giving up sleep is a tip. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what, though? I do this, too. It's nice to hear mm-hmm. that you do it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I really love talking to other people. I think this is a myth that people have, or a misunderstanding people have about introverts as being like shy people or or something. Oh, yeah. We're we're not shy necessarily. They can't 
you know, an introvert right. can be shy, but sure. it's really about the recovery time. Yes. I just need some me time yeah. and, and it's, it's actually more valuable to me than sleeping most of the time. So yeah. That's how it pans out. But um, <laughs> other tips, I don't know. Uh, um, multitasking, uh, if I can empty the dishwasher and somehow chase the baby away from the dishwasher, then <laughs> that's, you know, 10 minutes I don't have to spend later. But yeah. <laughs> aside from that, I um, I guess I would say uh, teach, teach the baby to do things that you like to do. So she, um, she loves to, you know, she's, she's not even a year and a half old. She, but I say she loves to read. She loves books. Um, we've just, we've, we've got her in the mode where she just, if there's a book, she wants to see it. She wants to sit, she wants to page through it. She can actually do, um, she's pretty, she's pretty, pretty good with paper books. We can generally trust her not to completely destroy them or eat them. And, uh, so yeah, um, she, she loves music. She loves to dance. If you teach the baby to do things that you also enjoy doing, then, um, you, you can all have a much better time. <laughs> Great tip. I should have thought of that years ago. Now I'm stuck doing the things my six year old wants to do. Uh, why didn't I talk to you back then? <laughs> well, what does your six year old like to do? Oh, uh, actually, um, hero factory, which is Legos. It's like, um, Legos for making people, for making robots. It, I don't know exactly how to describe them. It's yeah. like a bunch of sticks with ball and socket joints at either end okay. so that you can like connect them together to make a skeleton. Wow. And, and then you can kind of adorn the skeleton with decorative parts and then and a head and arms and feet. And it becomes kind of a robot warrior person beast something you know um that sounds okay it's okay it's actually i i i love the part of building them that's mm-hmm. i find really creative and interesting it's just the part where we get around to the actual like Playing with action them. figure play yeah mm-hmm. that's hard for me i i don't have the imagination of a six-year-old yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, you might, and you just need to tap into it. But I'm sure you've been trying. I... <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but, you know, it, it, it would have been nice if, if he had maybe gotten a little more into folk guitar and we could have done that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, my, my husband has a band and a lot of times he will leave his guitar out or need, or bring it out when he needs to practice. And, um, she's just riveted. She, she loves music. She wants to touch, she, you know, she can strum the strings and he'll like hold chord shapes for her. So we're, we're not too far from don't let me down. <laughs> awesome. You know, I thought that because I played guitar while I was pregnant, that my baby would just I don't know, be soothed by the sound of it, that that would somehow help us after he was born and he has just hated it. Oh, no. He hates when I sing. I mean, I think part of it was when he was younger, he hated that I was holding an object that was not him (laughs) that got my attention instead of him. See, she just wants to be involved with everything that we pay attention to. So it's like the laptop, for example. Mm-hmm. If you have a laptop out, oh, she wants she wants to be in your lap, smashing on the touchpad, and like that's that's the only thing she wants. Oh, so funny. I guess it's kind of the opposite, but mm, um, it's yeah. not that much better. <laughs> oh wow! Well, so I uh, last thing you mentioned to me. Uh, 
before that you are involved with the women in tech scene in Philly. And I'm wondering if there are any organizations you would want people to know about. Yeah, well, um, the one that I'm primarily involved with is called Girl Develop It. We have, I just um, taught a class the other day, and I was there with the founder who still organizes a lot of the classes, and so I, I consider her a friend. So we were, I guess, maybe like the third. We're the third largest chapter now with about oh, wow. 3,000 members on our meetup. And um, yeah, Girl Develop It has 49 chapters worldwide now, and there's uh, actually a few new ones that have just sprung up in the burbs of Philadelphia. So there's a Lehigh Valley one, there's a Bucks County chapter, and there's also a South Jersey chapter. So we're kind of helping get these fledgling chapters off the ground, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's just crazy. Things have really blown up for Girl Develop It Philly in just the past um, like month or two, uh, possibly just people um, making New Year's resolutions, but I think that we've kind of hit a tipping point. So it's really actually quite exciting. That is really exciting. And what do you do with them? I mostly teach. Um, so I started out as a teaching assistant, uh, hopping in to help out on workshop type classes where, where the students were kind of hands-on trying exercises, trying to build things. And you needed people to kind of, you know, stand over their shoulder and, and just kind of like say, oh, did you see how that syntax highlighting is a little bit different there? Do you think maybe that means that there's a bug mm-hmm. um, kind of stuff? And then from there, I kind of moved into, I actually um, took over one of the classes that I had been TAing. And so I pretty much always teach the intermediate immediate HTML and CSS class now, though um, though the class that I taught the other day is a, is, a, is a lesson plan that I actually wrote, which is a very fun class called Intro to Web Concepts. Um, the idea of that class being that folks who are non-technical and who either are looking to move into the field of technology or who work with technologists to just kind of familiarize themselves with some of the terms and just the very basics of kind of how the internet works and and those kinds of ideas. So it's it's a broad survey, but the idea is for people who, who are just interested in tech to start to have a better idea of, you know, areas that they might want to investigate more. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I'm sure people get a lot out of it. <laughs> and uh, I think a lot of people will be inspired to have heard your story here. So thank you for sharing it. Of course. Happy to. Um, if people want to hear more from you, um, is the best place to find you on Twitter? That's probably the best uh, publicly accessible. I mean, you can always come to a class if you're in the Philadelphia <laughs> area. <but laughs> um, all right. So you are not underscore Pele, which Correct. I guess means that you're bad at soccer or (laughs) (laughs) um yeah most people probably know Pele as the soccer player but um she's also the Hawaiian goddess of volcanoes and fire ah okay okay so you're not that either (laughs) I'm not I'm not that I'm not that at least not anymore okay um cool so I will put a link to that in the show notes thank you so much for talking today Elise thank you so much for your time as well Catherine thanks for having me you're welcome That wraps up this episode of Motherboard. To see pictures of our guests, get the details on our Creative Commons license, or to support the show, visit motherboardpodcast.com. Lastly, all views expressed on the show are individual opinions and not representative of any company. Thanks for listening and best wishes for a happy work life and happy parenting.